The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Hey, Texas fans, this is the Longhorn Confidential Podcast for Thursday, September 19th. We're two days away from UT's conference opener against Oklahoma State. We're also exactly four years removed from Drod Hurt's 527-yard night against Cal. What might have been, Mike? What might have been? Exciting times. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello. How's it going, everybody? All right, uh, we're just going to get right into it. Um, you know, since Oklahoma is right there, right next to Texas, neighboring state, um, a lot of the Cowboys are from Texas. Easy place to recruit for Mike Gundy and his crew. Um, this uh, summer when we were at Big 12 Media Days, Johnny Wilson, who's their fine starting center, told a lot of us reporters that he grew up in Midland, a fan of the, a fan of the Longhorns, which I'm sure is the case uh, for a lot of the, those Cowboys. Um, this week, Mike Gundy kind of stirred up, stirred it up a little bit on Twitter. Uh, went viral, kind of, uh, when he said at a press conference that none of his kids had been offered by Texas, which is kind of amazing because, you know, Oklahoma State's a pretty good uh, program, but you would, uh, so you'd think some of those guys caught the Longhorns' attention. Now, it's kind of unfair to just criticize Texas for not offering every kid who turns out to be good. Um, I think that's something a lot of people like to do. In retrospect, I still think the silliest controversy is uh, Mac not offering RG3. Um, right. I guess that would have been 2008 when uh, Garrett was in the pipeline and, you know, RG3 was not even wanted by Baylor until Art Bryles uh, switched from Houston. So um, is that unfair, Mike? Is it silly for us to just keep criticizing Texas for all these people that they didn't uh, you know, recruit? Because that seemed to be something that happened this week with those Gundy comments. Yeah, I mean, there's 1,400 high schools in Texas, and it's arguably the best state in the nation in terms of producing high school talent. So there's, I you know, theoretically a 1,000 or more FBS prospects from the state every single year. Texas isn't going to hit on all of them. The guys that they offer aren't always going to pan out when they get to Texas. The guys that uh, they don't offer that go to other really good universities may end up panning out and they want them back, but it's impossible uh, to ask Texas to you know always hit on everybody in state. You can only take 20 to 25 guys, so there's a limited amount, amount of room. And what you don't want to do in Texas is start making fake offers. So what Texas does well is not machine gun recruiting is what I call it, where you just spray out offers to everybody and sees what sticks. You can do that out of state because if you burn a bridge or two out of state, who cares? If mm-hmm. LSU comes in here and burns a bridge at LBJ, who, who cares? If Texas does that, that's huge. And so they have to be really judiciary with who they offer, who they take, and kind of the patience within the state. And so it just ends up where there's going to be a lot of chips on shoulders of, of players outside of Texas. Yeah, one people, uh, one group of people you do not want to anger is the Texas high school football coaches. Mm-hmm. That is a tight knit fraternity, and there have been many cases where a kid has gotten you know jerked around by a university or got put on the wrong end of a you know retracted offer or something like that. And those bridges can be burned, and you know, reputations can be built, which is not something you want in a state that produces talent like Texas. Um, but you know, with that being said, there are two kids at Oklahoma State who I think we should talk about and wonder why they didn't get a Texas offer. Um, um, 2018 quarterback Spencer Sanders, who's from the Denton area, redshirt freshman. Obviously, Sam's here, but that hasn't stopped Texas from you know, recruiting quarterbacks each year. Why, why didn't Spencer get that offer from, uh, which would have been Tom Herman's uh, staff? Yeah, that's a good one. That's, a, that's one of the 
the only ones on here that I can really think of being an adequate question because Spencer Sanders was really good. He was Mr. Texas football for Dave Campbell's didn't run, uh, didn't Ryan, you know, obviously a great program. Texas has uh, two kids committed in the 2021 class. I would say one reason is they really loved cam rising. Texas had an in in California, Texas, Tom Herman used to play with the head coach of Cam Rising's high school. So Mm -hmm. he kind of had an in on that 2018 quarterback. That's who Texas wanted, and they were able to get him. And so I I don't think they wanted their second quarterback to be an in-state guy, and I don't think Spencer Sanders wanted to be a second quarterback in a class. Uh, So that was just one of those where the year before they had gotten Sam, and then in 2018 they really liked Cam, and so they they passed over on Spencer. When we're looking at Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver, he's from Fort Worth. Uh, he never got offered by Texas, and that's that 2017 class that was, you know, mostly Charlie Strong and then two months of Tom Herman. Uh, Texas just did not offer him when Charlie Strong was here, and then when Herman took over, there wasn't really any time to kind of offer new kids and build relationships. He simply could keep his class together, Sam and those guys that were already in it, and then add guys he had already known from Houston and recruited there. He just didn't have enough time to go and, you know, start recruiting somebody in December. Yeah, um, obviously Tylen's a great, a great wide receiver. I'm sure some Texas fans would have um, liked to have him on the team. But that is one of those cases where you just kind of look at the name. You don't really think about what was happening during that time. And you know, some things just aren't meant to be. And he's doing just fine in Stillwater. Uh, let's go around the 40 acres. Talk about someone who did get an offer um, from Texas. Uh, West Mesquite running back Ty Jordan. He committed this past Sunday, a 2020 kid. Mike, what's the 411 on Mr. Jordan? I love Ty Jordan. I don't know exactly what he is, what he's going to do, and I think that's why I like him the most is because he can do kind of anything. He's he's not you know one of those six foot, two hundred twenty pound everyday running every down running backs. He's only five seven. He's only one hundred eighty three pounds, uh, but he's pretty stout for his height. Like he can handle uh, a larger load than most people would give him. He's more powerful uh, than most people would give him credit for for being that size. Uh, but he's really quick. He's he's great uh, on jet sweeps, on sweeps, on screens, uh, you know, in the, on the slot in the return, the return game. Uh, so I think he's one of just in a weapon that Texas can use at running back, at wide receiver, at H back in the return game, and just another you know weapon for this Texas offense that continues to need more guys that can make plays on their own. So is this two or three running backs for this 2020 class? Uh, well, two. Jaden Holaby plays running back, or at least he did when he was at Bishop Dunn, but he'll be an H-back tight end, kind of an Andrew Beck, Cade Brewer type when he gets to campus, maybe a short line back. So I would consider Bajon Robinson the real running back recruit. Then you have Ty Jordan, who's kind of a third down back, scat back kind of guy. And then uh, Jaden Holaby that can kind of be a jack of all trades. All right, so with uh, that many names, two to three names in the 2020 class, uh, what kind of running backs are Texas, is Texas looking at for 2021? Well, there's three. Texas has offered four running backs in the 2021 class already. And as we know, Tom Herman said this week, 2020 is pretty much done. You know, there's only there's not going to be 25 spots. They already have 19 guys. So there's probably only two, three uh, guys left. So 2021 is the new focus. Uh, the, the, big, the biggest name in the state is Kamar Wheaton. He's out of Garland Lakeview Centennial. And he's the number one ranked uh, running back in the nation for his class. A lot like Zach Evans is going to be a top 10 uh, player in the 2021 class. And, and the main priority for Texas, he was at the Texas LSU game. Uh, there's also LJ Johnson from Cypher. I went and saw him on Thursday. A uh, really good running back. He's not as big as Kamar, but I mean, like has like legit track speed 
in his 5'10", you know, 180, 190 pounds, so a pretty big guy. And then there's uh, Brandon Campbell, who's from Pearland, who's really good friends with Jalen Monroe and a couple of the other Texas commits in 2021. So I would imagine if they only take one, it'll be one of those three names, and they may try to get two of those three uh, onto campus by the end of 2021. You know, th- there's obviously a lot of talent in this 2021 class. Um, not a lot of names in this 2020 class. I mean, this is kind of going to be a small recruiting class. Tom Herman kind of mentioned this in his uh, Big 12 meet, uh, conference call on Monday. Why is Texas taking fewer names than expected this year? Are they just stacking up for 2021? I think that's most of it. Uh, there, If some of the early guys that maybe they missed on early in this recruiting class that went to Oklahoma or at A&M, you know, like uh, Demond DeMoss or Troy Omer, Elmery or some of those guys, had they pick Texas, we'd probably see Texas take a 25-man class. But we saw Herman do this in 2017, and I find it smart, is why go chase guys you didn't want originally instead of just waiting a year, keeping those three or four extra scholarships that you would have used on guys maybe you're not completely sold on, on guys that you are sold on in the next class. And with early enrollees happening so much, you can always apply some of those back and make the numbers work. So he did this in 2017 when he first got here because he knew 2018 was a loaded class. He's doing the same thing with 2020 and 2021 because, frankly, the 2021 class is just simply better. Um, one kid from 2020 that Texas is still trying to trying to get is Alfred Collins, four-star defensive lineman from Bastrop Cedar Creek. Two weeks ago, you saw him uh, play Aikens High. Got mm-hmm. caught up with him afterwards. Um, so let's hear what Alfred has to say. So here with Alfred Collins of Cedar Creek, how's it feel to be two and zero? Oh, it feels good. All the hard work we've been putting in is paying off. You know, Cedar Creek's you know not known as maybe a football factory that wins a lot. How much have you seen the program evolve since you were a freshman? Um, I feel like it's just the atmosphere, the players. They love what they do. We got a good bond. We, yeah. Uh, an odd man front, right? I saw you play some defensive end, some defensive tackle. How much do you like being able to play different spots? I like it. I like being versatile. Versatile versatility is where it's at. Is there different skill sets that you need at both, or is it? Do you uh, find it similar to play? I feel like it's similar, pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, how big were you at this time last year compared to now? I feel like I you've like, gotten. Yeah, huge. I was like two, two, two forty-seven. Yeah, a week. It's just fast. I say that's. What now, uh, now? You're what? Two ninety or two seventy-seven? Two seventy-seven. Do you feel that in the fourth quarter is a little harder to move I mean, it around? Or? Not really. I mean, it's just getting hit and just trying to go give my body for the team and. Uh, I just, uh, do you think basketball helps with that? I you think know, it does. Yeah, being agility and being able to move. And yeah. just going up and down the court mm, so right. much and stuff. Um, so you're a guy, you know, a lot of guys in 2020 already committed or at least kind of at least leaning to where they're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're taking your time with the process. Kind of what was the reasoning behind kind of taking it slower than a lot? Um, for one, this is the only time I'm ever going to be able to do this. And, yeah, that's are there a few things that you're still trying to figure out, or do you kind of uh, know what I every mean, school offers? It? I just want to like just go to the school and get the feel for it, and see, what, just build a bond with the coaches, the team, I, the teammates I could possibly play with. You know, Texas is building a pretty good defensive oh, yeah. line. Princely, uh, I talked to Vernon last week. He mentioned you specifically. Um, how much are those guys kind of on you? Um, not that much, but they every once in a while they. Hit me up, asking them so. As a recruit, do you look at that, like where these other guys are going, or do you just uh, kind of focus on I mean, on it's for me. Yeah, I'm not trying to be selfish, but it's for me. 
All right, man. Mike, uh, Texas is one of the front runners for Alfred Collins' service. Obviously, Oklahoma, Texas A&M are still in the mix. Texas may have a home field advantage in the fact that his mom was a women's basketball star at, at Texas. Uh, actually, the team MVP of the 92-94 team. So maybe uh, she can do some recruiting in-house. But you know, what are your thoughts on his abilities and what he could bring to the table if, if Texas gets, gets him to sign? Texas wants big, versatile defensive linemen. We see it with like Charles Amenahu types, uh, Taquan Grahams, Malcolm Roaches, guys who can play defensive tackle, defensive end, who are, who are kind of tweeners, who may not have a specific position in a four-man front. And Oscar, Oscar Giles is killing the 2021 class. Uh, and if he adds Alfred Collins, it's just another guy with that 6'5 to 6'7 build that'll probably get close to 300 pounds that can play either you know a five technique kind of defensive end you can slide them into nose tackle on third down situations the thing with alfred he won't stop growing <laughs> and that's usually a great thing but there may be a point where he gets too tall to play defense and may have to kind of maybe look at offensive tackle because he's already six seven he wears a shoe a size 19 shoe wow like you said his mom's a former basketball player if he ends up 6'8", six, 6'9", six, I mean, because he's not even 18 yet, so he could still grow, uh, he enters that territory of, is he too tall to play defense because he could just get cut? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how his body develops because he stopped playing basketball as a freshman thinking he was going to be too short. Yeah. And now he's, gotten, I- now, he's, there. now he's gotten to that, to that height of a power forward. And so... Yeah, it's just a, he's an interesting athlete. He's still relatively new to football. He's not as polished as, as some of the guys who you can tell have been playing since they were seven. But he is full of upside, and it'll be interesting to see what his body allows him to do at the next level, wherever he chooses. No, see, it is the football season of his senior year, and he has not announced his decision. So he's taking his time. He's yep. going to make the decision he feels best for him. Granted, he has the talent where he is allowed to take however long he wants. He can take up to signing day and whatever school is going to take him. But do you feel like more kids should take their time in making these decisions? I think you hit the nail on the head there with the paradox. I think a lot of these kids would love to take more time with their decisions and take the five free trips on the officials and have some fun with it. And For a lot of these kids, this is the first time that they're getting to go on these type of vacations out of state and stuff like that. So it's an unbelievable experience that I wish more of them would get to, ex- to experience. But the problem is, you know, not everybody's Alfred Collins. And, you know, a lot of these schools, you know, right, rightfully or wrongly need to fill up those spots. And if everybody is taking until December, there's a lot of chaos to mm-hmm. be had. And so I understand why the college coaches kind of push these kids to jump on the bus. Uh, but I also respect the hell out of guys like Alfred Collins who say this is a selfish decision for me. This is the only time I'm going to get treated like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the red carpet in the pampering before I have to show up to two a days and just get crushed for the next four years. I totally understand. Go get yours, guy. Go, yeah, go exactly. All right, let's turn to our recruiting spotlight. Um, each week, we are going to introduce you to a future Longhorn who won't be playing football at Texas. This week, we're going to shine a spotlight on future UT volleyball player Naomi Cabello. Naomi is a six-one setter at East Ridge High in Claremont, Florida. Uh, four-year letterman, Naomi both sets and attacks for the Knights. Right now, she's averaging 7.9 assists, 1.7 kills, and one ace per set. So, very dynamic and versatile player. In fact, when I asked her coach uh, to describe her in one word, that was the word she used, versatile. Uh, Coach Cuevas, uh, when I asked her why, she said because, quote, 
She does so many things well. She's an elite setter. She can be an impact attacker, and she's above average defender both at the net and in the back row. Uh, Naomi committed to Texas in January 2017. She's a top top 10 player on prepvolleyball.com's annual senior aces list. Uh, when she arrives at Texas, Texas will um, Texas will have a senior setter in Ashley Shook and a junior setter in Jenna Gabriel. So they'll have a lot of talent at that position. So I guess that's a good problem for Jarrett Elliott to have. It'll be fun for Texas fans to kind of watch uh, that position develop over over the next few years. Um, time to kind of segue out of this thing as we always do. Mike, where are you going this weekend? I am going to Temple on Thursday to watch 2020 wide receiver commit Quentin Johnston play uh, again. I can't remember who he's playing against. And then on Friday, big one, big one for me on Friday, Denton Ryan versus West Mesquite, the most beautiful game where there are three commitments, two on Denton Ryan, one on West Mesquite, so I get to knock out three guys in one game. Beautiful. So we call this the content bowl. Yes, yes, and, uh, yes, and, uh, exactly. It's we'll, a, it's a you'll dream. be hearing about this game in the podcast. I'm for sure three weeks, maybe for the next couple, <laughs> couple, couple of weeks. And uh, you know, Temple's actually a pretty underrated stadium. I, I, yeah. I, I like Wildcat Stadium. Oh yeah. Um, I will of course be at the Texas Oklahoma State game because that is my job. And Mike, you'll be doing our post game show on uh, Facebook, the Bevo Beat account. Let's talk about the gambling spread, um, six point spread. Uh, in this game, are you touching that? Are you staying away? Why is it? Why is it six points? I personally thought that was disrespectful since uh, Oklahoma State has owned this series recently. But um, you know, what did what did you what did you think? So uh, a thing to remember here: usually three points is for being home. So essentially, what this is saying is that Vegas believes Texas is about a three point favorite over Oklahoma State, and I feel like that's fair, given that Sam Ellinger is a much more proven quarterback. Uh, then Spencer Sanders or Spencer Sanders, Drew Sanders, Spencer Sanders, Spencer Sanders. Drew Sanders is a linebacker recruit in the 2020 class that's the committed to head, Alabama. Vandergrift head football coach. Yes, there it is. Uh, so Spencer Sanders. Um, there's too many names in my brain. Uh, so he, you know, this is going to be his first big game, and so I, I do believe having Sam Ellinger over uh, you know a young quarterback is an advantage. I just I don't trust either of these defenses. To stop anybody so if I was going to bet on anything it's probably the over uh, but like you said Oklahoma State obviously has uh, the advantage in the series I think that helps Texas so I'd probably lean for, for towards Texas winning by a touchdown or more. as always I'm not betting on anything because um, that's how I lose money all right, let's uh, wrap this up with our mailbag um, as always if you have questions about recruiting about Texas football or anything just hit us up Mike what's your Twitter handle at Craven Mike I'm at AAS Danny or the aforementioned Facebook account. You can find the comment section and we'll find your question. Um, Jim Briggs on Facebook wants to know why UT's 2020 class doesn't have a lot of linebackers in it. I think Highland Park's Prince Dorba is the only one in it. Um, is that a position of need that Texas has or are they just are this good with uh, one? Uh, so what we need to remember here is that Texas really only plays two linebackers, mm-hmm. right? The B-backer position that Joseph Vasai plays uh, with a three-man front is really more of a glorified defensive end that blitzes off the edge. So Texas plays less linebackers than the average school, so they're going to need to recruit less than most schools, kind of the same way with nose tackle. They don't have to recruit a lot of defensive tackles either. Uh, simply this year, there's just not a lot within the state. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, 2021 is loaded, and it also is loaded at linebacker. They already have a, li- a linebacker commit in that class in Derek Harris from New Caney. They also like Clayton Smith, Kendrick Blackshire. So there's, for the first time in a while, the linebacker position is pretty good in Texas, and they're going to recruit that hard. 
the thing that we need to talk about with linebackers is this is just hard to find. Seven on seven and the way modern football is now, you either play safety and you're kind of a jumbo safety or they spin you down the defensive end you blitz the quarterback. So there's just not a lot of really good linebacker prospects out there. You almost kind of have to find them. Yeah, um, speaking of finding, uh, Texas is going to have no problem finding offensive linemen to recruit for this 2021 class. You got to see uh, Donovan Jackson last week. You wrote about him in your dotted line column on Tuesday. Uh, David Keith Williams asked on Facebook, what are the chances that UT lands some of those big offensive linemen um, in 2021? The Brockemeyers, uh, Bird, Jackson, Foster, Connor. Um, if you're, if you're going to say one or two that Texas has a really good shot at, who would you, who would you, who would you say? So Connor's already in the mix. Uh, I just covered Donovan Jackson last week, and I can say that he is much higher on Texas than he was over the summer. That Texas LSU game and also landing Hayden Connor, one of his best friends, was a huge help for Texas. I would say Texas is now in the lead for him. And then the Brockemeyers, I mean, it's hard to imagine they go somewhere else. I know they love Clemson and a few other schools, but I mean, if the best offensive tackle in the nation, last name is Brockemeyer, Texas has to land him. Like that that is Herb Hand's number one goal. And then Savion Bird, I believe, is is destined for Texas. He's really close with Jaquindon Jackson from that Duncanville team. And I, I believe if Jackson stays committed to Texas, Bird will follow a lot like uh Jalen Garth has done with Rashad Johnson from Port Natchez. Um over on Twitter, Racer RX five nine oh eight asks if Rice really got a payout for this past weekend's game at Energy Stadium. And the answer is yes. Um Texas did pay Rice to play that game, even though it was in Houston. Um, FESschedules.com reported earlier that the payout was about a million dollars. So that was a nice little payday to only have to go a couple blocks from uh, where you So the you programs have some extra money, huh? Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. Instead of getting your uh, butt kicked in Austin, they got it kicked in Houston in their, in their crib. We got playing at NFL Stadium. Um, Mike, I know you're a big fan of Houston. You go down there a lot. You never get paid a million dollars to go to Houston, right? No. No, I've uh, I've never gotten paid a million dollars to do anything. I need to start. Uh, I need to get on that payout schedule. Um, have someone, maybe the Chronicle can come have me come down and play with some like intramural softball. Right. I'm I'm to down that. to get beaten up for a million dollars. You know, there's not many things for a million dollars that I wouldn't lose with. You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna lose a million dollars, is a nice nice little cover up for that. Good money if you can get it. Yeah. Uh, finally, on Twitter, Abu and Almanza asked us about UT's volleyball chances to reach the Final Four, which will be in Pittsburgh this year. Uh, Texas is off to a really good start, still ranked third in the country. Got a couple first-place votes this, um, this week. Have Rice. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, they have Rice this evening, and then um, they have uh, uh, Texas A&M on Friday. They should win both those games. Both those uh, Rice and A&M are off to good starts, but Texas is just a better team. So they should go into um, conference play with only – one loss, and actually, the conference is what concerns me about this team. Um, Baylor is really the only threat in this conference, and so I'm always kind of concerned about a team that's going to go for you know two months without playing anyone. Kind of like Kansas basketball. Yeah, it's, it, like you know, everyone in that Big Ten is going to beat up on each other. That's a lot of these top ten teams, and they're going to be seeing the best of the best and getting used to playing that postseason. You know, post they're going to be playing postseason volleyball in October, where mm-hmm. Texas is not. So. I'm a little concerned about that, but if they play like they did um, throughout this first month of the season without Bree Butler, who will be back, their best middle blocker, uh, this Texas team is going to be a very tough out in the postseason, and they should be favored to get to Pittsburgh. Volleyball school. <laughs> yeah, they volleyball. They got, I guess, it's a men's tennis school now. Um, swimming and diving. Swimming, diving, golf. Uh, maybe football can catch up to these uh, 
these uh, elite programs we have on the 40 Acres. All right, uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, if you like what you heard today, be sure to rate us on wherever you get your podcast. Um, you know, give us whatever review you want. We would prefer a good review. Our bosses would prefer that. But you know, be honest with what you think. Um, you know, and we will be back next week. This is Longhorn Confidential presented by Zaxby's. We'll see you later. Peace.